something incredible. Amen. Turn in your Bibles and turn your attention, if you would, with me to the book of Genesis. We're going to turn to the book of beginnings. That's what Genesis means. And we're going to look at chapter 50 and read a portion of scripture from here. Genesis chapter 50. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Amen. For leading us to the very throne of God and into the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have, I referenced the story, I believe it was recently in a Bible study teaching about forgiving and forgiving and uh, referenced the story of Joseph. But today I'll be, I'll be focusing our attention a little bit more on this and the story of his life. Genesis chapter 50, we'll begin with verse 15. At this point, if, if I could just give you, a, well, in fact, we'll, we'll leave it. I'll, I'll visit it once we get into the message. We'll just read the text here. Verse 15 of Genesis 50, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre-adventure hate us and will certainly requit us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. So they're just saying, hey, remember what dad said? We know he's dead, but just if you would, remember he told you that you should forgive us. And here we are. We're, we're not just your brothers. We're, we're your servants. We'll do whatever you ask us to do. And uh, at this, Joseph wept, verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Verse 19, and Joseph said unto them, Fear not. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So now, therefore, fear you not. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your kids. And he comforted them. He spake kindly unto them. Amen. I believe that the Lord would like to speak kindly to someone here today. Amen. And assure you that he wants to take care of you. He wants to take care of your family. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the privilege of being with your people and in your presence. Furthermore, thank you, Lord, for the access that we have to your word. And I pray that I will speak as your spirit leads me to speak. I believe that I'm filled with the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And I believe that that spirit wants to move and minister in this place as you have been doing. But help me now to speak your words, words of life. I pray that you will guide us, edify, strengthen us, challenge us, convict us, Lord, of the things in our lives that are not in alignment with your word so that we might come and, Lord, meet you at that place of repentance that leads unto life. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. One more time, can we just give the Lord Jesus another hand clap of praise? He's a good, 
good God, and he deserves all the glory. We love you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. In case I didn't make clear earlier, my wife has to get back to work in St. Louis, and that's why she left. They've got a they've got a special services a service for the missionaries at four o'clock that she's supposed to be back to. So she is making haste and getting back down there for that. Um. So I have problems. <laughs> you have problems. Can anyone help me finish this statement? We all have problems. Problems You see they they are they're not one of those things in life that kind of pick on a certain group of people. It's one of those things that demonstrate non-bias. No matter your skin color, your geographical location, your language, your financial position, we could go on down the list, even your age. We all have problems. Now those problems can be categorized into different groups and, uh, and we could look at these problems in different shapes and sizes and magnitude and, and if you've lived a little, you know that some problems don't seem or are as big as other problems, right? In fact, uh, if, you, if you've lived a few years, you could even look back at those massive, humongous, giant problems that you had when you were in junior high and high school and think to yourself, I wish I had those problems again instead of the ones I have now. But, but if you'll be honest with yourself and with the teenagers in the room, when you were living through those days, they couldn't get any bigger. We could scoff and, 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 and we could pretend or portend that, uh, you know, that my problems are bigger than yours. That you don't understand what I'm going through because if you had to deal with what I'm dealing with, right? But we all have problems. Psalm 90 verse 10 Really encouraging portion of scripture. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. He's saying, we're going to live to be 70 years old, and if, if we've got a little bit of strength and we've got a little bit more in us, we might live to 80. Like I said, tongue-in-cheek, this is a really encour encouraging portion of scripture, right? We might look at some folks, you're on borrowed time. And if that's not bad enough, he goes on to say, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. There are several portions of Scripture that I could pull from that talk about how problems are these non-biased agents that seem to appear in all of our lives. And sure, our problems come in different shapes and sizes and seasons, and we may not share the same sort of problem, but we do share the same thing that we all have 
problems. I was in my devotional recently, day 187, and the devotional referenced a speech given by Senator John F. Kennedy at the Democratic National Convention upon accepting the party's nomination as presidential candidate for the 1960 election. In that speech and on that day, Senator Kennedy addresses religion, communism, nuclear weapons, and civil rights, which is very interesting because it seems like those are the same things that are being addressed today, some 60 years later. He says this in his speech. He said, we stand today on the edge of a new frontier, but the new frontier of which I speak is not a set of promises, Rather, it is a set of challenges. It sums up not what I intend to offer the American people, but rather what I intend to ask of them. That particular president, president was quite the orator. And what he said was, was really touching to the people at that time, the challenge that he gave them. And the truth is, is that life, in general, is a set of challenges, problems, and hassles. We sometimes imagine to ourselves or think to ourselves that if we could just conquer this problem that we're facing right now, then all of our problems would be over, right? If I could just, if I could just get this, man, things would be great. But just as soon as we resolve this problem, what do we find just around the corner? Another problem. I promise I've come to encourage you here today at some point. <laughs> the temptation is to see these challenges as things that are preventing us from carrying out the ministry that God has given us. You know, if I, if I just didn't have this going on in my life, then I could do something great for God. But in actual fact, dealing with the problems, a mature saint of God will discover is actually ministry in and of itself. One minister actually put it this way. He said, these are not the problems that are associated with the ministry. They are the ministry. <laughs> I heard one pastor jokingly say, pastoring would be great if it wasn't for the people. I didn't mean to offend anyone right then. But the Bible, we find, if you read its pages, is true to life. In its pages, we find one story after another of individuals and people groups that lived and faced challenges. In fact, most of the time, if not all of the time, 100% of the time, the reason we're reading about those people is because the fact that they faced problems and how they faced them. Scripture shows us how they triumphed and even sometimes how they failed. It doesn't pull any punches. Of course, as I read some of their stories or even stories of Christians that face extreme persecution even on the planet today, I'm reminded every now and again that I have relatively minor problems and challenges and hassles that I face compared to the people of God and what they have faced throughout the history of the church and some still facing while we sit in this room today. Really, it's about perspective, isn't it? <laughs> That's why sometimes it's, it's nice to, 
to take off the blinders and to see what brothers and sisters in Christ that were washed in the same blood that you're washed in, filled with the same spirit you're washed with, or filled with and called by the same name and what they have gone through or what they are going through even right now. We're not meeting in secret here, are we? In fact, we, we want to publicly advertise our services and we thank God for the religious liberty that we enjoy here and now. But if we all have problems, I want the Lord to teach me to stop spending all my energy, all my resources, all my time complaining and start rather overcoming by the mighty weapons that God has given to each and every one of us. Because I have problems, you have problems, we all have problems, but we also all have mighty weapons and resources that have been given to us that can guarantee success, that can guarantee victory in our lives. So teach me, Lord, today to overcome. Teach me to stop seeing my immediate problem as justification, to not be obedient, to not be faithful, and to not be useful. Let me take time on each of these three things. Each of these things, the first, obedience, faithfulness, and usefulness. Maybe I've caught myself saying something like this. If I could just get my feet underneath of me, then I could do something for the Lord. If, if, if I could just get caught up on my bills, if I, if I could just get a handle on my addiction, if I could just get my house in order, but if I've learned anything over the 34 years of my life since receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's this. There will always be some problem, some challenge, some hassle that is ready to serve as an excuse in my life to delay obedience to God. But I find it a bit ironic that the first step that most of us will ever take in obedience is at repentance. And we do so in spite of our problems. I'll even venture to say this. We repent, we obey the scriptures and repent actually because of our problems. Did not the apostle Peter tell everyone on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Our first steps of obedience to God and his word is because of our problems. And can I tell you today that your obedience to God and his word this day, no matter how many days, months, or years since your new birth, is the same manner and pattern as it was for your first step of obedience. It is sometimes in spite of your problems and oftentimes even because of your problems that God God is calling you to do something or live a certain way. And you don't have to wait until those problems go away because they'll never go away. But instead, look at your problems as a reason for obedience instead of an excuse to delay obedience. It grieves my heart to see people delay obedience because not everything in their life is right or good. And you've heard me say it before, and I heard a minister say it years ago. You don't get, God, uh, get good to get God. You get God to get good. 
And somehow the enemy has successfully deceived so many people into thinking that I got to get good in order to then get God. But it's the other way around. And no matter how long you've been living for the Lord, it's time for us to stop using our problems as an excuse for the lack of obedience in our life. And we got to stand up on the word of God and say, if God says it, then I believe it and I will live it. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I'm starting to feel a little boldness here today. And I hope that you walk out of this place today with the same boldness in your steps that says, I could take one foot in front of the other and say, Lord, I know problems are waiting for me out those doors. I know that problems are waiting for me at home. But by the grace of God, I'm going to obey no matter what those things look like and no matter what challenges I face. Our obedience often gets bogged down and paralyzed because of problems. We use problems. But then there's faithfulness. Not only our obedience to God, but also our faithfulness is challenged. Our faithfulness in prayer, our faithfulness to the word of God, our faithfulness in assembling ourselves together with the family of God, our faithfulness in giving, paying tithes, giving offerings. I love the story of Daniel. Daniel is this teenage boy when he first is taken from his homeland and from his family and transferred into a place of captivity, a place of imprisonment, and it seems like every turn he takes, there's another problem to face, and there's enemies at the door that are challenging him. And when they challenge his prayer life and they cause deceitfully to have the king make an edict that said if anyone would pray to anyone else save the king, then that person is going to be thrown into a den of hunger lions and the Bible records this in Daniel 6 and verse 10 now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he was not ignorant he was not blind to the challenge that stared down his prayer life he knew it was there and the Bible says when he knew it was there and it was signed he still went into his house he opened his windows and he looked towards Jerusalem he bowed his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks unto God just like he did before. You see, those challenges and problems are not an excuse to backpedal in our faithfulness and the things that God has called us to do. It's a reason to be bold as a lion and say God has given me authority and it doesn't matter what comes against me. I'll be faithful to what God has called me to do. Yes. Hallelujah. You don't understand, Pastor, what I'm facing. You don't understand the problems I'm going with. I don't feel like praying. And if I've learned anything else, it's this. It's the times I don't feel like praying. I need to pray all that the more. It's the times I don't feel like going to church. I need even much more to be around the people of God. I've learned when I don't feel like giving that spirit of mammon is trying to creep up in my heart. I'll bless God even with an offering upon my tithes. Why? Let me tell you right now, I've been in the position where you've got bills more than you've got 
finances to pay them. I, I've been in the position where I feel like I'm overwhelmed with the things that are coming against me, but it's in those moments that I have found the greatest victories in my life when I say, Lord, I'll be faithful even still, whether you show up or you don't, whether you rescue me from the fiery furnace or you don't. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to attend the house of the Lord. I'm going to fellowship with the people of God. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read your word. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you clap your hands and just give the Lord a little bit of praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We would like to boast and say that we walk by faith, but do you? We walk by faith, but do we? When faith calls us to do something that doesn't seem like it makes any sense. When it seems like it's more logical to save than to give. When, when, when the urgent, and I, I, I told the Sunday school class that there's going to be some repetition here, but it, when, when the urgent is demanding our immediate attention because of some emergency in our life and we choose to let go of our time with the Lord in prayer and let go of our time with the Lord in his word, how many has discovered that it seems like if, if we let it go here and, and, and we'll find it, it's, it's a little easier to let it go another day and, and before you know it one day turns into a week and a week turns into a month and it seems like what was one little exception turns into a lifestyle where we have slipped away from our faithfulness to the word of God. I, I wish that someone here today would get a very intentional look at your time with the Lord and prayer and the word and become aggressive about it that says Lord I'm going to guard this like Daniel guarded his prayer life. It doesn't matter if my life is on the line. I'd rather pray. Oh, I'd rather pray. I'd rather pray. It doesn't matter if a den filled with hungry lions are waiting. I've got to pray. I've got to spend time with the word of the Lord. Say, I, 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 I've not done such a good job this week. Well, neither have I. But let's get back up and let's pray again. Let's read the word of God again. Let's get back where we know we need to be. I'd like to shut up that devil that tells us that you're good for nothing and you've lacked in your prayer life and say, devil, you've got another thing coming. His mercy was new this morning and guess what? I'm in the house of the Lord and I'm going to get where I need to be with my walk with God. I'm going to do it. Why? Because he's faithful to me. He's faithful to me. Oh, would you clap your hands together and just... Give the Lord a little bit more praise right now. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Amen. While I, while I appreciate with anyone the experience that we might have during a worship service or in a conference, a convention, a camp, a, a youth revival. While I, I appreciate the moments that we have in the altar like we did last Sunday where God's Spirit 
moves and, 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 and our hearts and lives are being changed. I appreciate that. But how many has lived for the Lord just long enough to know that you can't just live on that from Sunday to Sunday or from revival to revival or from convention to convention? There's got to be some in-between faithfulness. And listen, I know problems and hassles and challenges and distractions, they will come and they will test your fortitude. They will test your commitment to spending time with the Lord. But that's where the great things happen. That's where the miracles happen. That's where they're born. They're they're born when someone is alone with God. Yes, I'm thankful for when I'm with the family of God. I feel strength. I feel refreshing. I, 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 I'm thankful for people praying with me and worshiping together with me. But let me tell you, David did not conquer the giant just because he decided to show up that day and throw a stone at that dude's forehead. It's because a long time ago he was on the backside on a hill in Judea slaying a lion and a bear just to keep track of his father's sheep. And it's the same thing with you. You can look at people standing on the platform singing at a convention and ask how you could get there. and what. It's, it's just the daily routine of being faithful, faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. You don't know how hectic my schedule is. I've got these responsibilities. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. You know the word priority originally was meant to be singular and singular only? Somewhere along the way, we, we pluralized it. We've got priorities. Priority was intended to be a singular word. That means that there's one thing that is above the rest. And we've got to make the things of God a priority in our lives. I know. I, I have, I've had two conversations in just the past few days with people outside of the Refuge Church. One was with a church planner that's planning a church in Homewood Flossmore. It's in Chicago suburbs. Great guy, Elijah Kaiser. And he was saying, Brother Brown, he's like, man, I, just give me some advice here. I've got this guy, and, uh, and he and his family, they're great, great people. I love them. We love hanging out. And when we can, we do a Bible study once a week at 6 a.m. because it's really the only time he can meet before work schedule. And uh, he said, but, man, um, they've just kind of disappeared. Uh, and it seems like, you know, one thing after another comes up, can't make it. And uh, they can't make it Sundays from now till I don't even know if he got an end date because his, his child is in soccer. And soccer in the park district, it's pretty, it's pretty big deal, and it happens on Sunday. You can't make it. Priority. I'm thankful for, you know, my son and other of our young people learning what work is. You guys getting jobs. Sister Zoe, yeah, Chick-fil-A, as they say, the Lord's chicken. Sorry, I'm embarrassing. If I, if I ever get a chance, whether I need to talk to 
talk to young people when they get a job, I tell them, listen, when you are being interviewed, just tell them, this is what, this is what I've got going on in my life. I've got Wednesday nights, church. I've got Sundays. I've got church at this time. Listen, when I'm there, I'll be your best worker. I'll be the best worker I could be when I'm there. I'm going to work like nobody else. I'm going to give my best because when I work, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to do it as, I, as, it, as the Lord was the one watching me and my supervisor. But, listen, if this is going to be a problem, I, hey, I appreciate you interviewing me. It's not going to work out. So, but I need a job. I don't know if you've looked around lately. <laughs> There's a lot of people that need workers. And if you're willing to show up, listen, I can't, I've lost track of how many places I've been lately where they had workers either not show up or walk out of work. There is a serious famine of good workers. And if you will work good, you could ask for what you need. And it will be given to you. Oh, well, I'm meddling now. And that goes for adults. That goes for young people. I understand there's overtime. There's all kinds of things. I'm, if, I hope that you all know my heart. I feel, I feel like I'm a pretty understanding guy. And I appreciate the accountability when people say I can't show up. And I'm not just talking about work. I'm not just talking about sports. But for the life of me, Brother Parker, I can't understand. I cannot understand when someone will tell me, Pastor, pray for my family. Pray for my family. They need to be in church. Pray for my family. They need to be in church. And then good weather comes around, and they invite you to a Sunday barbecue, and you go to the Sunday barbecue instead of showing up to church. What is that telling your family? You fit in church when it's convenient. That's what I'm telling my family. Problems and distractions and challenges will always be there. I'll tell you the witness that is second to none. It's a life that says I face everything that everyone else faces. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just, the righteous and the unrighteous. But it's how I deal with the problems and the challenges and the distractions that come my way that screams a testimony to every family member, to every co-worker, to my neighborhood, to my community that hey, something is different about them. They go through what I go through. They face what I face, but they face it differently. They work differently. They encounter challenges different than I encounter challenges. It seems like their faithfulness is so steadfast and unmovable. If it means that much to them, I know, listen, I probably have offended 10 people today already. But if you've offended me, or if I've offended you, or if you're offended, that probably means that you don't believe that I love you. And that what I'm saying here today is out of love. I love you. I care about you. But I'm so sick and tired. And, I, and this is not reactive preaching. There was nobody. I've got nobody's name in the margins of my Bible or my notes that says this. This point, make sure you look at this person. It's not there. I thought about doing that, but I, no. No, it's not. But this is just what I feel led of the Lord to say, we all have problems. 
We all have distractions. We all have crazy schedules. The world is demanding our attention. But let me tell you, when I am on my deathbed and I'm about to breathe my last, let, go ahead and ask me, what is going to matter most then? What's going to matter most then? Is it how many to toys I've had? How many accolades I've been given? How many No, I'll tell you what matters. It's the time I spent in the Word of God. Oh, the time I spent in prayer. The time I spent with the family of God. Woo! <laughs> I'm telling you what. I, if the Lord should tarry his coming. If the Lord should tarry his coming. And, 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 and y'all come and visit me, and, and, and I'm all shriveled up, and, and they're, 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 they've got tubes going into me. I, I hope you come visit me because I believe that, that I'm just going to be right there and saying, oh, sweet Jesus, I'm about to see Jesus. Remember, sister so-and-so, you remember, brother so-and-so, we're about to go walk on streets of gold together. I hope you come visit me and you remember a song that we used to sing way back when and we just start singing it right there in that hospital room. I, I know that you feel like you, you might have to give up hope because he's fallen victim to old age, but Brother Walker, don't feel sorry for me because I've invested my life into the things that matter most. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Why? Because the rest of this world is going to fade. The are going to disappear. It's not going to matter how cool my shoes were. It's not. When you got streets of gold and gates of pearl, give me Jesus. Somebody say yes. I want, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful no matter what I'm going through. No matter what's whether I'm on the mountaintop or the valley low, I want to be faithful. Third, I want to be useful. I want to be useful. Has it ever occurred to you that God might have someone for you to be a light to while you're going through that season and place of darkness? Has it ever occurred to you that there are other people that are going through similar circumstances without a relationship with God or the infilling of his spirit? And it would be helpful, just maybe, maybe even life-saving for them if you would demonstrate the difference that Jesus can make. I grieve with those who grieve. I've lost loved ones too. Someone very close to me <clears throat> has uh, had to bury her daughter just two years ago on May 15th, I believe it was. And God, I pray. I'm not talking about a dead, emotionless reaction to death. I'm not talking about, 
I'm not talking about going through struggles and pain and grief and you just act like nothing happened. That's not real. That's not healthy. But I do believe that we could grieve not as others who are without hope. I do believe that we could go through the the heartache and the hurts of life in such a way that doesn't pretend they're not there and they don't affect us. But that we could walk through those things in such a way that the people, family, relatives, coworkers, what have you, that are walking through the same stuff we're walking through now, God, make me useful. Make me useful. Because, Lord, I don't want the pain to be meaningless. I want it to be useful for your glory and for others' good. I want, Lord, to be a light that says, look, 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 I'm going through, I know what you're facing, but let me tell you how I'm going through. Let me tell you how I got through. Let me be useful in the midst of my problem. I don't want to just be obedient and faithful, but God, I want to be a tool in your hands to do what you've asked me to do. Oh, Joseph, (laughs) I don't envy your life. I don't. I think it was 17 years old. He was dad's favorite. He was not his brother's favorite. I mean, there's got to be a strong dysfunction going on for what happened to him to happen. You say, my family's dysfunctional. I can't relate with the Bible. Have you read its stories? (laughs) A lot of dysfunction in there. And Joseph, he he was thrown into a pit that he couldn't get out of by his brothers. And then while they thought about what they could do to him, They decided, you know what, let's make some money off of him. And they sold him. And then he was sold again as a slave in Egypt. A man by the name of Potiphar purchased him as his property. But even in his enslavement, he feared God, honored the Lord. And he did the best job he could do even with the circumstances he was in. So much so that Potiphar said, man, I'm going to make you head over my house. You're in charge of everything. Only to be enticed and tempted by the man's wife, but still holding on to his integrity. I'm talking about we all got problems. What was it that you were using to justify your sin? Sorry, I shouldn't have said it that. What was I using, I using to justify my sin? Joseph did this without a church family. Joseph did this without a Bible. Joseph did this without the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me it's impossible. You're taking the lazy way out. 
I didn't tell you that I would encourage you and not also challenge you. I'm challenging you today. We've all got problems. Joseph had problems, but he chose the high road, and he did not allow his problems to be justification for sin, for embittered spirit. He went through that. He was thrown into jail, thrown into prison, and then he was forgotten for two years in prison. The whole ordeal goes on and on for years, but he lands himself a job as the second most powerful person in Egypt, and now, now, the dreams that he dreamt when he was 17 are coming to pass before his very eyes with his brothers bowing before him along with his father and his mother why because they needed sustenance they needed nutrition they needed supplies and Joseph had the power in his hands to give or to withhold and Joseph chose to give or to be forgiving and he chose the high road because he would not allow his problems that we all face to be excuses for a lack of obedience of faithfulness and usefulness. My friend, it's time to turn the tables on the adversary and say, you know what, devil? I've been looking at this all wrong. You thought you were going to convince me that my problems were justification for sin and disobedience and me just sitting on a pew and doing nothing for the kingdom of God. But devil, you are a liar. In fact, I'm starting to look at my situation. In fact, you put me in a place that you might have meant for evil but God meant it for good you thought you were going to bring death and bitterness and anger but God turned it and through it I'm going to be able to feed others I couldn't feed them if I was left in my father's house but because I went through my pain I could feed out of the resources I gained through my trial oh somebody ought to say I could do that if Joseph did that I could do that if Joseph chose the high road, I could choose the high road. Would you clap your hands right now and give the Lord a praise? Would you stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise? Somebody stand with, with a renewed strength and say, Lord, I can live for you. Lord, I can be patient. Lord, I can walk with integrity. Lord, yes. Yes, Lord. Remain standing together with me if you would. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm in too deep. I, uh, you don't understand what I've gone through, and you don't understand my hurt, and you don't understand my pain. No, 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 I, I don't. But I do know one that does. He's the same one that called you. He's the same one that's calling you. He's the same one that's beckoning your name. Come, come to me. Come in repentance. Come in surrender. Come in commitment. Come and join my family. Come and join my kingdom. Come and participate in the ministry that I'm calling you to. I don't care how deep you are right now in sin and disobedience. I know a God that said if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I know a God that says if you'll repent, I'll forgive. It doesn't matter how deep the sin or how ugly the stain of sin. I know a God that knows the end from the beginning. He knows where you're at. If God only knew, right, if he just knew, if he just knew what I was dealing with, if he just knew what I was going through, you don't think he does? You, you don't think that it just kind of escaped his mind 
when he entered this room and spoke to you from his word and how his spirit move on your heart, he knows. He didn't forget. It didn't, it didn't leave his mind. No, no. In fact, like your first step of obedience, he's calling you to act now. Not, in, not even in spite of your problems, but because of your problems. <sighs> there are ministries yet to be born among this people that I stand before now and here. Oh, glory to God. There are testimonies in this room that are yet to be born in the lives of the people that I stand before now. And God could see it. God could see your end. God could see your testimony. God could see your ministry and the fruitfulness that it comes that comes from that ministry. And he's calling you now because of your situation. He's calling you now because of the sin, because of the problems. He's saying that's just what I need. That's what I want to work with. Oh, hallelujah. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you just to get your mind on the Lord. And I want you to consider the scriptures and the preaching that you've just heard today. Esther, where are you here today? Don't you understand that you are where you are for this moment, for this time? God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Stop looking at your problems as excuses to justify your lack of participation or your lack of obedience and start seeing them as reasons that God is calling you to insert yourself into his story and what he wants to do through the church today. I love you, Jesus. Listen, as, as, as my wife and I have had the opportunity to go and pour ourselves into missionary kids and global missionaries, I, I feel like there's a return on that investment that's coming right here at the Refuge Church. I'm not talking about a monetary investment. I'm talking about how there may be, in, in fact, there may be missionaries in this room that you will go, that the Lord will send you, that the Refuge Church will send you, and you will be a global missionary, and you'll be a North American missionary, and the children that you have will be provided for and protected and prayed over because an investment that's being made now. Sister Brown could have said no to the opportunity. We could have said no, but we said, Lord, I know we're busy. I know we've got responsibilities here at home, but God, you're calling us because you believe in us. You see us. You know that we can be stretched just a little further, and you're wanting to do something that's miraculous through that. Oh, you see, God's wanting you to stretch to your limitations so that he could show you his supernatural, merciful, miraculous healing power, that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. This altar is already open as those that have already come have made available to themselves. This altar is open if you want to come out of your seat, out from where you're standing and say, Lord, here I am. Maybe you just need to recommit your life to the, the plan of God for you. Maybe you need to bow your knee and surrender in repentance and say, Lord, I believe you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins if I will just confess and forsake them. Amen. 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 Amen.
Amen. Who is it? Who is it that God would like you to pray alongside and pray with today? Someone go ahead and cast your cares as the Apostle Peter said. Cast your care upon him that cares for you. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes in Romans 8.28 For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You are here for a reason. God has a purpose for your life. Be submitted to his plan and to his word. Come on, let's go. Let's be obedient. Let's be faithful. Let's be useful. Let's be useful. Let's be faithful. Let's be obedient. Don't wait until you catch up on things before you're faithful and obedient and tithes and offering and attendance to the house of the Lord. Don't wait until you got your stuff together before you surrender your life to the plan of God. Don't wait, don't wait until you break your addiction so you can bow your knee in repentance. You need to repent because you have addiction. You need to repent because your life has mess in it. But his mercy and his love is far greater than your mess. It's far greater than the things that you're battling. Listen, life is one challenge after another. It's one problem after another. But it's how we live with Christ that makes us different than the rest of the world through our problems. Oh, Lord, teach us. Let's lift our voices. That's it. Let's lift our voices. Let's call upon the name of the Lord. Let's commit ourselves to be faithful again, to be useful, to be obedient. We've all got problems. We've all got problems. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that is not facing something or another. But how will you respond? How will you respond to the disappointments of life? How will you respond to the heartache? How will you respond to the mess that has been generated in your life? Lord, I want to be refilled with your spirit. I want to recommit my life to you and your plan for me. That's it. Whether it's there standing or kneeling call upon the name of the Lord right now I would to God that everyone right now in this room just close your eyes and call upon the name of the Lord call upon him Jesus I love you that's it all across this place lift up your voice let's fill this room with the sound of prayer let's fill this room with the sound of praise and worship here I am Lord that's it that's it you're a parent you're a parent and you've got children that have walked away from the Lord. There's someone else just like you that's in the church, that's being faithful. You could do it. Come on, come on, come alongside them. You're raising small children and you feel like you're at your wit's end and you're tired and you're weary. You've been disappointed. You feel like life is not going the way you thought or planned it. Come on, come on. Come on, right there in the midst of your pain, right there in the midst of your frustration. Look for how you could be useful in the hand of the, the creator and the one that created life and gave you and trusted you with that life. I love you, Lord. I trust in you. Walk by faith today. Go ahead. Walk by faith today as, as they play and sing. Walk by faith. Respond to the word. I love you, Jesus. I worship you. With hope.